Side Hustle Show 255, Finding Your Sweet Spot, how talking about air conditioning turned into a five-figure-a-month side hustle. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because the riches are in the niches. See, it just doesn't work when you say niche. Uh, but your niche is only half the battle, maybe even only a third of the battle. It's when you can combine that niche with your unique skills and expertise and your network, which of course you can build over time. There's a sweet spot in the middle where all of a sudden it starts to click. This is an episode about finding your sweet spot and the magic that can happen when you do. Now, this is important. It doesn't always happen overnight, as it definitely didn't for today's guest. But my hope is with this show to shave some time off your journey. So let me give you a snapshot of where Brian Orr is at today with his side hustle, HVACRschool.com, which provides free training for HVAC technicians. These are the folks who work on your heating, ventilation, and air conditioning systems. So in less than a year, he's built an email list of over 7,500 subscribers, generated more than half a million podcast downloads for his HVAC School podcast, which for the sake of reference took the side hustle show, and I had to look this up, more than two years to do that in a much, much broader niche. And he's earning $11,000 a month in sponsorship revenue for the show. In other words, he found his sweet spot. Stick around to hear how he got it done and how you can do the same, how to find that business opportunity that falls in the center of what you know, how you can deliver it, and who you know. Notes and links for this one, plus a free downloadable PDF highlight reel with all of Brian's top tips from this call are at sidehustlenation.com slash Brian. That's Brian with a Y. Now, before we get started with Brian, there's two other things you should know. The first is that he's a father of nine kids, which is a full-time hustle all on its own. I don't understand how he gets anything done. The second is I actually met Brian on Fiverr in 2014. He ordered one of my video website audit review gigs that I was doing at the time where I reviewed a completely different side hustle of his, but we've been internet friends ever since. The point is, you never know who you're going to connect with on these buy buttons platforms, but I'm really glad we did. Ready? Let's do it. I've done a lot of flailing. So I've, you know, I've always kind of enjoyed audio and I, I like my day job. I've always been involved with training in the HVACR industry, which is for, for those of you who don't know is heating, ventilating and air conditioning. And so that's the, that's the name HVACRschool.com. So I've always done a lot in, in that sort of world. And I kind of separately had this thing doing podcasts about business and a lot of different things. And so in the process, I just decided, you know, look, I, I don't really have time to make these two totally separate lives. You know, I, I played at that for a while as a hobby. So let's just take what I enjoy doing, which is which is podcasting, creating audio content, writing, those sorts of things, and, and just do it about what I do in my day job. And I, I did it really not thinking that there was a huge audience for it. In fact, sort of the genesis of this was that I, I wanted to create content for my own employees anyway. I was doing a lot of in-person training with small groups and I thought, well, why don't I just record this and then I can send it to them and they can listen to it. And, and it's funny with as many podcasts as I've produced, I was still torn on whether or not I would make it a podcast or whether I would just literally just send them the audio files, but that it's just easy enough to create a podcast and I know how to do it. So I started doing that and in the process, it, it just exploded and became something that I honestly never expected. I never thought there would be an audience like the audience that I found. So this is podcast number three, four, five, like how many have you started now? Oh man. So for myself, I had had three different podcasts, but then I produced several others for other people. And I actually lose count. I think last time I, I counted, it was like eight or nine okay. different podcasts that I've created. And then that's actually part of the, when we get to the point to talk about monetization, that's actually part of what I'm still making money doing is producing podcasts for others. 
Okay. And it was kind of created as an internal tool. Like, okay, we can use this inside our own company. People like our techs can listen to this while they're driving around or they don't have to sit in a classroom to learn this. Right, exactly. I mean, if I'm going to do it anyway, and that was kind of what made me hopeful. I never knew any AC technicians other than the people who I work with in my own business who listen to podcasts. I'm a member of a lot of groups online with with HVAC technicians, and I didn't see anything about podcasts or anything. So my feeling was, and this I've kind of learned through many failures, is that if there's not a market for something, it's generally not a good idea to try to create a market. That's a hard sell, right? So I didn't, I wasn't really hopeful that HVAC technicians would listen to it, but my thinking was, well... They can't watch videos when they're when they're driving around. You know, they can't watch videos when they're working. But if they're in a motor room, they have to have ear protection anyway. And a lot of those have, you know, speakers in there that you can listen to to music is what they would generally listen to. So I thought, well, why not just do this in a podcast and see if it resonates? My initial kind of head talk was that you can't train air conditioning. It's very it's a very tactile, hands on sort of business. You can't train it with just audio. And this is coming from someone who loves audio, right? And I just didn't think it could really be done effectively. Okay. And it turns out that there are some things that, that are hard to train, but actually a lot of things, um, we've made a real impact. Well, how did you get over that in terms of like visual storytelling? Or how did you combat your description in, in words instead of pictures and stuff like that? Well, you know, it's interesting because what we find is, and, and I think I'm sure your, your listeners experience this too, is that there's a relationship built through audio that isn't in visual. So when you're when you're looking for something visually, like if you're searching how to bake cookies, you're focusing very much just on the steps of how to bake cookies, but you tend to miss certain things that are going on in the in the periphery, kind of in the background. But when in audio, you're having to work to paint the entire picture. And so what we find is is that there's certain step-by-step things that don't work great in audio, but when it comes to painting the entire picture and actually developing understanding, podcasting first of all because of its long form and the fact that you can listen to it when you're driving or when you're when you're working allows you to sort of build a picture and a, and a deeper understanding of things so to answer the question there are some very specific tasks that it still doesn't work well for but what we found is some of the broader theory and kind of deeper understanding which is what we're finding most technicians miss anyway it does a really good job and maybe even better than video okay was there any concern in taking some of this training which i imagine is maybe proprietary to your service company and then putting it out to the greater public? <laughs> no, because because the truth is, is that it's still only a very small percentage of the overall marketplace is going to consume it. And those who are going to consume it, what we found is, is that it's, it's actually a benefit to us. And so I've never had a fear about being open with, with information. In fact, that's sort of one of my kind of deep manifestos is that you can charge for the type of content. So the delivery method of content. But training it just needs to be free. I mean, we're we're at the point in the world where there doesn't need to be proprietary training anymore. It doesn't it doesn't the world doesn't work that way. Sure. All right. So so you kind of decide to marry these two skills, the HVAC training skills that you've been you know kind of honing at the day job for for years and years, and then also the the podcasting skills and the production skills that you've been learning kind of on the side on your own time for a lot of time and, and getting paid to do production for other uh, podcasts as well. And you put together the HVAC School podcast and you put it out to the world. What happened? Well, like, what's the launch like? Is this thing a hit right out of the gate? My first 
couple episodes and I'm actually trying to remember what they were. I think they were mostly like meetings, you know, so I would just, I would just have little training classes. And then I think one was a meeting and I just recorded it. And it's funny because as crazy as I am about audio quality, I just decided I'm not going to worry about it. You know, this is very much about training. It's not about trying to be fancy. And so I just, you know, set up a microphone in the middle of the table and just talked, you know, which is complete heresy in podcasting. <laughs> and I created the podcast and shared it with some of my technicians, you know, and they kind of gave me a meh response to it. Like, eh, okay, whatever, you know? And, <laughs> okay. and I remember my brother and one of my other managers were like, oh, this is just another thing you're going to do. Cause I'm kind of known for chasing after, you know, pots of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I'm like, no, I think this is, I think this could be something, but you know, we'll just see. And so I shared it on a couple groups. And you, and you know, you know, in mar- in the marketing world, you don't share stuff in groups. You know, you don't share your content in groups. That's a total no-no. You add value and you build relationships, but you don't share your content. Well, I've been in some of these groups for a while and so that way, you know, what the heck? I'm just going to share it and see what happens. And so I did and it just went insane. There's one group that has, I think at the time it had like 22,000 members in it called HVAC Pro Talk. And I shared a link in that group and it was just like, oh my gosh, I've always been looking for this. It just, it just, everybody went nuts on it. And I think within my first 48 hours of actually putting the feed out publicly, because I had shared it internally, but, but sharing it on some of the groups, I had over a thousand downloads Wow! on my first episode that I had shared that way. And that's unheard of. I've never seen anything like that with a podcast that doesn't already have an audience. You know, that isn't, you know, I've produced podcasts for people who are YouTubers or whatever that already have an audience. And, and I've seen those types of numbers in those circumstances, but never a from scratch podcast. And that's when I realized, geez, this is a thing I need to now, now I need to focus on it and actually do it good, <laughs> do it well. Now we've got to pay attention to it. So that was a way to validate it through these Facebook group where because of the niche that it was, like it wasn't seen as spammy and you'd had, you built up some sort of presence in that group already, I take it. Right. You're right. I, I had already established some relationship, answering questions and just being, being a part of the group and, but not like to a, not to an extreme extent. I mean, I was much more of a lurker than I was a, an active, consistently active participant. I mean, some of these groups I'd been a member of, not on Facebook, but there's a group called HVAC Talk, and I'd been a member of that since I think 2005 or something. But yeah, when I did it, I kind of cringed when I did it, knowing that I was it's, it's considered spammy and just to see, but I've never had someone say, stop doing that in any of these groups. It's pretty incredible based on my what I've seen in other parts of the online world. That's, I mean, that's an amazing start. That's pretty cool. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. 
When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So what happens next? Now you're like, well, crap, now I got to produce more of these episodes. Right. So I've been doing this online thing with minimal success for for quite a few years. And so I know, you know, the formulas, what you're supposed to do on social media and creating an email list and a website and all that. And early on, I was just resistant to it. I just said, look, I'm going to just make a podcast. It's what I like to do. I don't like doing all the other stuff, so I'm just not going to do it. Well, I think it was probably two weeks after I put the podcast out, maybe three weeks, I got a message from a guy who said, you know, I love your podcast. I'm also a web developer. I'd like to build you a website. So I said, okay, you know, what are you, you going to charge me? He's like, well, how does 300 bucks sound? I said, fine, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's fine, okay. build me a website. And so he, uh, he, he did, he built a website. And so I kind of had the, at that point in time, I, right around that same time, probably about three weeks after I launched the podcast, I decided to create a Facebook page just so I could share these little tech tips. And so a couple of my first tech tips were literally two sentences, two, three sentences, and they were just Facebook posts. And that was it. And those just started gaining traction. I started talking about that on the podcast. And then we were kind of off to the races from there. And, and so then I integrated those tech tips into the website. And so instead of just posting straight to Facebook, I would share the tech tips on Facebook. And that was that was the start of, of the tech tips, which then sort of fed into the podcast and created this kind of circular marketing cycle. And then the tech tips then became are now my primary marketing medium for the podcast. Okay, so the, the really short two to three sentence tech tips go out on Facebook and they say, if you want, if you want more, tune into the podcast. It wasn't even that really. I mean, it was just sort of like, okay, here's two or three sentences. And then every once in a while, I would share about the podcast in the same page. And so that was the genesis of it. And then once I got the website up, uh, which took, I think, maybe maybe a month or so after the podcast, maybe a month and a half after the podcast launched. Then I started putting them on there and sharing those. And then they got longer and a little more substance to them. And then early on within, I don't know, within a couple weeks of having the website, then there was a, another very large website called HVAC Hacks that's got crazy, crazy numbers. I mean, just tons and tons of people are on that site. I think their Facebook page has like 130,000 likes on it. It's a significant site where they just share pictures of bad workmanship basically he picked up on the podcast <laughs> and started sharing it on his group and then it and then it really took off from there well how do you think he discovered you 
He's part of the same communities. So yeah, all these all these people kind of know each other, the different creators, because there's not very many. I mean, most of the people who work in, in the business are just working, you know, they're not creating content. So, I, you know, pretty soon I connected with some YouTubers and some other people and started having them on the podcast and, and building some credibility that way as well, which, which certainly helped. Okay. Now, is it primarily just you, you know, offering your training and tips or is it, like you said, interview based? So when it is interview based, and this is actually one of my main pieces of advice for anybody who wants to create a podcast that is for a specific niche, make sure that you're not just interviewing people to interview people. Like if you're going to bring on an influencer, don't just bring on an influencer because they are who they are and just have them tell their story. I mean, some people have really good stories and that may be good, but there's always an angle. There's always something that you want to get across. I mean, you do a really good job with this, Nick, where you, you know everything is has a subject, has a topic. And so whenever I do bring on influencers, I bring on a lot of authors and YouTubers, we always have something specific that we're going to talk about. And so the title of the episode is always the specific thing as opposed to the person. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I remember doing an interview once and they did what they're supposed to do. And they said, Hey Nick, thanks so much for joining me. Your episode is live today. Uh, you know, here's the link to check it out. I click on it and it says like 33 Nick Loper. I was like, who's going to listen to this? Like, no, there's no, like, what's in it for me? There's no nothing. Like, I was like, okay, coaching moment. Okay, what, uh, anything else has worked to kind of build up the audience side of things in the early months? So I quickly made a group as well. And then that, that really started taking off. And, you know, differentiation is the key there. So what I wanted to do is really focus on training and kind of basics more than anything else, just focusing on basics, focusing on things that most technicians would want to know and maybe maybe do know, but on a surface level and kind of going a little deeper. And when I say going deeper, going deeper on the basics, which is it sounds like an oxymoron, but but it's taking things that you sort of know and then really driving into it and uh, to get a deep understanding of, of some of these core principles. And so I really just kept recycling a lot of the same, even a lot of the same topics, but just taking different facets of them and different elements of the, of the same topics. And you just kept going deeper and deeper into that. And that seemed to create a community in the group of people who are interested in that sort of thing. So while there were some very large groups out there, most of them were sharing photos of, of bad workmanship or all kinds of other stuff that I wouldn't want my kids seeing. And, and on HVAC school, I focused on training. It's going to be, the rule is PG-13. It's got to be network television rated. And I think that is what led a lot of people who normally wouldn't participate in, in these groups because at least in the trades, they tend to be sort of cesspools. We quickly grew that. And then that was also a great marketing source for the podcast. And then, so this is, this is sort of creating the entire circle of what has worked. And then on the website, then I started collecting emails. And so I just used the simple sumo me pop-up and asking for their email for a tech tip. It wasn't any clear giveaway. There wasn't anything really clearly that they were going to get out of it. They were just going to get my daily tech tips. And so I've been collecting emails using that almost exclusively. I mean, there really aren't any places for them to sign up on the site there's like one little tab where they can sign up for the email other than just that sumo me pop up. But since I'm creating so much content and sh sharing it over social, a lot of people are clicking that content, seeing the pop up, putting in the email. And now right now we have 7,500 on the email list and it just keeps growing. But I am sending nearly daily tech tips. Okay. Wow. So do batch write those? Do you, <laughs> what's that process look like? It's intimidating to me. I, I spend hours trying to come up with something to write every Thursday morning and it's like I can do an email daily. 
Yeah, well, it's because a you're concerned about being good uh, in what you write, <laughs> and in you know, so there's nothing original in what I'm writing. Everything that I'm writing is stuff that can easily be found other places, but that's the problem. It's found in a million different other places, and a lot of different you know manufacturers create their own training, and and so what I'm doing is I'm essentially just aggregating. I'm writing my own posts based out of my own knowledge set and my own experience as a as an HVAC owner and technician, but I'm I'm drawing from a lot of different resources, which gives me almost unlimited things to write about. You know, today I'm just before we got on this call, I'm writing about four to twenty milliamp control circuits, which isn't specifically HVAC related, but it HVAC touches it. And it's just such a such a broad topic. I can write about something every single day and and I'm just sourcing it from different sources. Not meaning that I'm I'm not directly copying, but I'm I'm looking at what other people are writing and I'm aggregating it and kind of writing unique content that's specific to my audience, the type of tone that they like to hear and where they're at in the training spectrum, which is more on the beginner side of things. Okay. And so I no, I never run out of things. I, I generally write something on average it's probably about three articles a week and then I just recycle older articles to make sure that they get something once a day. Okay. Do you schedule those out in advance or are you kind of sending them in real time? When I'm at my best, I, I do them in advance. So in the fall and winter, I was batching and getting a lot prepared. But right now, it's pretty much just what my experiences are that day. I source from that in order to write something. And so I'm generally just doing it in the day cycle. Okay. And what's the email provider that you're using? I'm using MailChimp. Okay, so Sumo Me connects to MailChimp, and then these these emails go out daily. So, okay, there's the Facebook page, there's the Facebook group, there's the podcast, there's the website, there's the email. There's a lot of different channels going on. It's kind of all popped up. It sounds like in quick succession to to each other. What's been driving traffic to the website? Like, if the audience is primarily coming from Facebook and kind of the viral sharing the people, hey, you got to check this out. You know, what's driving traffic to the website? Is there a call to action on the show itself or what's going on there? So here's how it primarily works. People find the podcast because they see a tech tip. The tech tip is just a blog post on hvcrschool.com. And so that tech tip is also driven to MailChimp via RSS. So I'm not writing individual emails for these tech tips. I'm just writing. So all I'm doing that's sourcing basically everything is I'm writing a blog post. That blog post is connected to my social um, using Jetpack, just the typical you know WordPress publish feature. And so then that's going out to my page. I share it to my group. Sometimes I'll share it to a few other groups if I think it's something that's useful to them. And so because of that, people are then ending up on my website. When they end up on my website, now they have the pop-up that they see almost every time that asks them for their email. And so eventually they're going to end up on my email list. At the bottom of every email are links to subscribe to the podcast. Okay. So it's it's just this kind of self-perpetuating thing. And so then on the podcast, I mentioned the website and also mentioned the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Once somebody gets into that loop, they sort of get stuck in it and just get my spam forever. Now, they're, now you got them. <laughs> but they seem to like it. You're, you're right. You got your tentacles wrapped around them. Okay. <laughs> right. At what point do you say, okay, this is more than just a hobby thing I'm doing on the side. I could see some money from this. I could see some some revenue from this. What I realized probably after about three months was that at that period of time, I was we were the best source of training that existed for free on the internet, online in any way, let alone podcasting. I mean, at that point in time, there was nobody else. There was no podcast that, that did anything close to what we did. You say at that time, you've seen some competitors pop up? Oh, yeah. We've seen quite a few competitors pop up, which goes into kind of the, the long-term vision that I have. But so at that, at that point in time, there was no, there was nothing. And so I went to a trade show 
that's sort of like the industry trade show. And I, I just saw the amount of money that these gigantic multinational corporations were pouring into basically just showing off to each other because the people who show up to these trade shows are not technicians. They're not contractors. They're just other, you know, they're tech reps. They're kind of industry insider types, people who work for manufacturers. And the millions and millions of dollars that were on this, this show floor in Vegas was just absolutely insane. And, and that kind of opened my eyes to realizing that these people are looking for a way to spend their marketing money. And why not spend it doing something that's really a helpful thing? In our industry, we know that there's this enormous skills gap. For those of you who know who Micro is, Micro has been doing these a big push in the trades to kind of help educate the country on some of the opportunities that exist in the trades. And so that's sort of this mantra in the trade type industries you know, and HVAC being a big part of that where they know that they want to start educating people better. They want to start using social media. They want to start using new media to educate. And so I, I realized, look, I, I fit directly into this niche. And at that yeah. point in time, I started contacting some of my existing contacts and just saying, hey, is this be something you're interested in? And it was a lot easier than I thought it would be to, to get some sponsors. And those companies, like the equipment manufacturers, like the actual AC unit people, like Carrier. Right. Yeah, that was my first sponsor. So, and that was a really, really easy conversation because Carrier already earmarks marketing money for me and my business. And it's generally money that I don't like to use anyway, because they have all kinds of rules about how you have to spend it. You know, it has to be 50-50, your company and Carrier, and you can only say certain things. And I've never liked that. I've, I've always kind of wanted to do my own marketing. And so my proposal to them was, hey, instead of earmarking this money that I don't spend, or if I do spend it, I spend it on pens and, you know, a bunch of shirts and hats or whatever. Why not just write that check to me directly and I'll put you as a sponsor on the podcast. Now I'm in a unique position because I happen to have a significant relationship with this, with this company already, but that was sort of the start that then I leveraged into conversations with a, with a lot of other players. Yeah. So your rep was in a position to to be a decision maker for for that kind of ad spend? No, they, I mean they still had to bring in people from the factory to kind of approve what we were doing, but it was money that was it's, it was just an easy sell because it was money that was already earmarked. Okay. It was money that was already specifically designed for marketing my company, which made it really easy to just say, look, if if your goal is to sell product, you're going to sell a lot more product by sponsoring the HVAC School podcast than you are with me putting a billboard up in my town. You know, you're going to impact far more people. And all it took was just showing him some of the numbers and it was no, no problem at all. And then, and then that was a huge thing because Carrier is a very well-known manufacturer. And so I was able to say, you know, look, Carrier sponsoring the podcast. Here's what your sponsorship would look like. And, and then that spun into some other good opportunities. Okay. Okay. Because you're trying to reach companies like, okay, look, you don't need to reach a consumer market. You need to reach the technician market, like the people who are going to be like doing the work, installing your piece, your equipment, your part, whatever it is. Exactly. And that's, and that's the advantage that you have when you create a podcast that relates to industry, you know, a place where there's already a big pot of money, but all of the transactions happen business to business. They don't want to reach the mass market. In fact, a lot of times they do, and it's just silly. I mean, you know, like for example, if you have an air conditioning contractor come to your home and find that you have a failed compressor, you're not going to buy a particular brand. You're going to buy the brand that that air conditioning contractor sells. Or if, even if you get multiple quotes, you're going to get quotes from companies that for whatever reason you trust or you like the pricing. And you're, you're very rarely going to shop based on the brand of the equipment. It's much more likely you're going to go on the recommendation of the contractor. So it's kind of silly for these big corporations to be spending that money talking to consumers when really the person who they need to convince is the contractor. And 
those are the people who are listening to my podcast. So it's kind of an easy sell. Okay. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. And what kind of download numbers are you seeing at this point when you're like, okay, let's, let's do an ad deal? So at the point when I first start doing ad deals, I'm getting, you know, and, and there's different ways that you're supposed to look at this. But I think, I think my first month that I really started talking about it seriously, I had about 20,000 downloads in that month. And I don't remember exactly what month that was, but that's sort of the, and it's generally considered in podcasting that when you get that 20,000 download a month number, that it's, that's something, you know, that's the point that you can start thinking about sponsorship. That's a number that I've heard a while back. I think Midroll used that number for a while, but yeah, that's, that's show wide. The best way to do it is per episode. And frankly, I don't even track that because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. My sponsors don't care about that. Again, that's the advantage of sort of dictating to them and also being one of the only valid options is that they don't they don't even know what that means when I show them these numbers. They just know that that's a lot of people, <laughs> you know, compared to that to the number of people who show up at a trade show floor that they're likely spending, you know, twenty five thousand dollars setting up a display. And that's in fact, that's the pitch I usually use is, you know, how much money do you spend on trade shows a year and how many people do you think see your booth? Now compare that to how many people are going to listen to the podcast, see you on our social media, see you on our website, et cetera. Okay. And that's allowed you to command rates that are probably a lot higher than the industry average CPM, you know, cost per thousand downloads, whatever. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not even right. I mean, it's not even comparable. In fact, the way that I set my pricing was I just said, okay, what's going to make this worth it? You know, what's going to make it worth dealing with a sponsor, especially a sponsor that's in my industry that, you know, I'm going to have to navigate some things because we're a training site, a training podcast. You do have to be very thoughtful about who you bring on, who you want to work with, what you're going to say to make sure that everything you're saying is valid and truthful and isn't jaded in any way. Because, as, you know, as a, as a trainer, that's a big concern. So it was sort of a initially it's like, do I really want to do this? Do I want to get it? Do I want to make this big leap? And I thought, well, let's let's throw some numbers out there that that make it worth it. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I didn't shortchange myself. Worthwhile for you, right? Exactly, worthwhile for me in my kind of life position, because I would I would probably do it either way. I would do it whether I was getting paid for it or not. I just wouldn't do it to the extent that I'm doing it. Okay, okay. So the the sponsorship is one revenue stream. Like, are you selling like the definitive guide to HVAC? Like, do you have like this two thousand dollar course on the back end, or what's what else is ringing the cash register? No, no, I don't. And that, cause that's something that I, I decided early on, I wasn't going to sell anything with HVAC school that was training because I think that would dilute the value both to sponsors and then the perception to the audience. If I'm going to be taking sponsor money, then I'm taking sponsor money because it's free, right? 
So I'm not doing anything like that. I did do a couple t-shirt campaigns that did really well. Uh, I don't know. I think I've sold like 350 t-shirts, something like that. Okay. What company did you use to like print and ship those? I used Teespring was one, one campaign that I ran. And then the other one was, uh, I think it's called Booster. It's actually by Custom Inc. I think it's called Booster. Okay. And actually that was a really good experience. I, I really liked their site. They didn't have all of the options that Teespring had, but the payout was a little better and the experience was really nice. I thought it was a really good site. So that was actually the first one that I did, which was the most successful. Nice. Okay. So the t-shirts, anything else? Yeah. You know, so I still do, and this is, you know, in the general side hustle vein, it's not, it's not specific to HVACR school, but I still do production and stringer work on podcasts. So like I'm, I'm producing a podcast this fall for my local, it's kind of like government jobs board. It's called Career Source Central Florida. So I'm producing the second season of their podcast for them. And that's a that's a good solid revenue stream as well. And once again, I've just priced it out like what's going to make it worth it for my time to do this with everything I have going on. And you've got a lot going on. So what I'm looking curious about the time commitment to do this, to run the, the business, to you know have this big family. Where are you finding the, the hours to get this stuff done? Yeah. So if I lived in the traditional model of business owner, you know, having to be crazy and, and manage every detail of my business, then it wouldn't work. And the same thing with being a father of nine kids. I mean, obviously I'm a I'm an engaged dad, but Leilani is an absolute superwoman. So a lot of the a lot of the home stuff she does an incredible job with and she keeps me up to date and lets me know when I need to be reined in and all that type of thing. So you know, we have really great communication at home which help, which helps with that. But then in addition to that, with the business, there's a lot of synergy between the two. So I can easily do things that are both good for Kalos, which is my my day job, my contracting business, and for HVAC school. Um, an example is I had a, I actually have a lot of examples like this, but I had a guy who is one of the heads of maintenance for a convenience store chain that's based out of Massachusetts. And he called me and said, hey, do you guys do refrigeration work? Because I've got a bunch of stores down in Florida that we we want to get under contract with somebody. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And so I sent him a contract and they signed with us. And so now we're doing, I think it's like 12 stores on the East Coast of Florida because of HVAC school. So even though I wasn't directly, you know, I'm not directly talking to consumers, which you would think would be my customer base, we do a lot of business to business work in our business. So Okay. Wow. Because he, he knew you were in this part of the world, think, you know, because of the podcast. Podcast and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I might as well call this guy. Yeah. And he's using my content for training for his staff because they have okay. actual on-site maintenance staff as well. So that's that that worked that way. And then the almost the same circumstance happened with locally, there's a water management district. One of their maintenance supervisors called and said he listens to the podcast and there was a big piece of equipment he didn't want to tackle. And so he asked for a quote from us and, and we got that job as well. So those are significant dollar amounts with those types of, you know, so it doesn't take a lot to justify the time I'm spending on HVAC school, which is a lot of time. I mean, the truth is I'm probably spending around 60 hours a month, something like that on HVAC school. Maybe, maybe if I'm being honest, more like 80 <laughs> hours a month on HVAC <laughs> school. So it's taking up about half of my, of my overall time, but wow. so far it actually seems to be a good thing for the business in addition to being a revenue stream. Okay. Is there been any pushback from other employees? Like, Hey, why is this guy, you know, working on his side project? That's not, <laughs> I don't know, like that's, it's a weird position to be in and maybe less so because you're kind of have an ownership stake in the, in Kalos, but I don't know what, like, what's your take on that? 
I think anybody who works at Kalos, so just just to kind of understand Kalos, I'm a co-founder of Kalos. So I started it with my father. So we started it together. It's not like I'm, and if I think if I was the son who came in and sort of got the job from daddy and then I was playing around on the internet, I think that would be more of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but literally I was the first guy out there with tools crawling around in the attic. So it's not, I'm not like that type of an owner where, where that much of that tension exists. But I think it does still exist and I have to be intentional about it and I have to show the value. So when things like, like what happened with this convenience store chain happened, I have to kind of market that internally and, and show the benefits. In addition to that, I think I have to make sure that everybody is actually consuming the training that I'm producing and being intentional about that, not just sending them the emails, but then doing some of that live training internally. And so I've really just embraced my role as a as a general kind of overarching leader and then as a trainer and not digging so much in the day in and day out. And a lot of a lot of of my technicians actually appreciate that, you know, not being that kind of micromanaging boss um, that maybe yeah. I was years ago. So in some ways, I think it may be a blessing to them that I'm not so much in their business as I used to be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anybody else helping you out with like any virtual assistants on the team? Or is it just like, hey, I'm doing my 68 hours a month and that's what it takes to to run this thing? I've dabbled, you know, so I've had different people do different things. I've had VAs working with me kind of as needed designer I've had for years and years and years. But now I actually have a full-time editor and this goes into a, a new thing that I'm doing where I'm actually creating a network and editing some other people's podcasts. I've had a really hard time getting editors who do things to my standards because I'm in this weird position where most people will get a virtual assistant because it's something that they don't like to do or something that they're not good at. In this case, editing is something that I really like to do and I'm really good at, <laughs> but if I don't say so, myself. It's, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that kind of sounded egotistical. I've, I've just done it for a long time. I mean, I, I do this professionally for other people. So, for sure, for sure. so it's something that I do and I do like doing it. And so the challenge always is whenever I hire an editor, even somebody who's been to school to do it or has done it a lot, they, they never quite do it the way I want to do it. But I thought, well, let's try creating a critical mass of content where I can actually hire somebody full time. So that way I can focus more on this person's training. And that's worked really well. So now I, I have somebody who who does that and he's been really great and I still go through it. You know, so he does kind of that first pass of editing. I still go through and make some adjustments, but but it is saving me quite a bit of time. Okay, well, that's a, that's quite an investment in saying, hey, there's there's a future to this, and um, I'm going to make that happen with a full time hire. So it sounds like so he's doing your podcast and then a handful of others. So you're building a a network. Are you hosting these shows, or what's what's going on there? In some cases, I will be a kind of a host to get people started. An example is I just started a podcast in the network called Service Business Mastery, which is about starting and running service businesses. And so in that case, the guy who's really the host, he's never had a podcast before. It hasn't really done a lot on online. So I kind of acted as the host to get him rolling with it. And now he's sort of taking it from there. And the idea there is, is kind of getting back to what happened after I created my podcast, then a couple others started popping up and, and they were in all the cases, they were YouTubers because uh, there's actually a pretty big YouTube community in, in our industry. Okay. And so they kind of got into the space and my thinking was, if that's going to happen, then let's make it something where the content is consistently good, where we keep a high standard and let's actually help each other versus fighting against each other. And so that's kind of the start of, of why I started the network is let's look at 
and in some ways it's almost like it's not it's not price fixing but we're looking at what we're charging and we're looking at opportunities in the industry we're looking at not stepping on one another's content doing things that are slightly different instead of doing everything that's the same because that's sort of what happened in the youtube community is everybody's just making the same stuff you know one guy comes out with a video and then everybody else does the same thing and, and i don't think that was good for the for the, anybody really sure. so the collaboration is is assisting with that okay and what's it called is it blue collar something yeah, Blue Collar Roots, the Blue Collar Roots Network. Blue Collar Roots Network. Do you have a website for that? We can plug that too? Yep, that's bluecollarroots.com. There's not much there right now, so it's it's, it's sort of a... I've got a player up with some of the different podcasts and different little sub-pages for the, for the podcast. But the idea is mostly that we can share resources, we can, we can share conversations with sponsors, because there's, there's already been several cases in which sponsors weren't ideal for me, but they were looking to sponsor a show. And so I would just, you know, say, hey, I, I'm not ideal for you, but here's another show you could sponsor. That would be a value. Well, then you can combine all audience stats and say, well, if you want to advertise across the entire network, here's the package deal. And then with you as the owner of it, you're kind of in a position where the, the content creator can take their percentage and you can take your percentage. Is that how a network works? Uh, yeah, I don't know that that's how most networks work, but that's how ours works. And in my case, I'm actually kind of finding some of the new talent as well, finding areas that I think there's a gap and then filling it with somebody who has an interest or passion for that topic and then doing the technical side, the audio editing side and the kind of the production side to make it a really highly produced end product. Okay. So that's, that was sort of the, that was sort of the idea because what you find in most cases is people will start a, a niche podcast and then they just experience pod fade after, you know, six to 10 episodes because they don't build an audience quickly or they find that it's kind of a pain to produce the content. And so I'm taking a portion of that off to make it a little easier to get that momentum rolling okay. for the shows. And so who's to say that they're going to always be in the network? They may or may not, but as long as we can have a value, we're both providing a value, they're providing the content, I'm providing the, the rest of it, then it seems to be a good win-win. You know, removing some of the initial barriers to, to getting started. That makes sense. Oh, very cool. So it's hvacrschool.com. What's the R? Refrigeration? Yeah. R is for refrigeration or rad, I guess could also be. Okay. Rad. <laughs> HVAC rad school. <laughs> hvacrschool.com. Brian, thanks so much for joining me, man. This is really cool. I'm excited to see what you built over here. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Create content about something that you care about, if at all possible. I spent a lot of time creating content about things that I didn't care about because I liked the form. And once I finally started producing content about something that I knew about deeply and that I cared about, a lot of this stuff got a lot easier. So find out what that is. I know that's very common advice, but for whatever reason, for me, I heard it and heard it and never did it. And now that I've, that I've done it this way, I wonder why I didn't do this years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Love it. Create content about something that you care about. Excellent advice, Brian. Thank you so much, man. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Nick. All right. My top takeaways from this call with Brian. Number one, do the thing you already know. In Brian's case, it was HVAC plus training plus podcasting. This wasn't something that popped up in Longtail Pro or Jungle Scout as being a good niche. It was something Brian already had a deep knowledge in. He was already teaching this stuff at work. He'd already been doing it at work for years and years. He uh, already knew podcasting. And so this wasn't a huge leap. And I'm curious what other similar sweet spots might be right under your nose. Like what are you overlooking right now? Uh, do the thing you already know. So that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is to serve a very specific audience first. I think there's a lot of reasons this business worked, but probably the biggest is 
that it legitimately uh, provided helpful information to a very specific group of people who wanted it and needed it. This made the marketing, to the extent that he marketed it, so much easier than saying, okay, I'm going to start a general small business podcast, or I'm going to start a general men's interest show, or I'm going to start this um, uh, alternative to Yelp, which are all previous side projects that uh, that Brian's worked on, by the way. And because he already you know, he's already embedded in these HVAC communities with his target listener. He knew exactly where to find them. And his approach was seen as a helpful, positive contribution instead of self-promotional spam. So that's takeaway number two, serve a very specific audience first. Takeaway number three is to keep at it. One of the reasons HVAC school took off as quickly as it did is that Brian knew what to do with it when he saw some traction because he'd been in the game for for a while flailing in his words flailing a lot but but learning every step of the way he'd learned podcasting he'd learned email list building he'd learned facebook he'd learned negotiating win-win deals this is you know this is one of these overnight successes that's really years in the making so keep at it the work you're doing today might not be the work you're doing a year from now but you'll be smarter and stronger because of it you never know where this stuff is going to lead you like i started my entrepreneurial journey more than 15 years ago painting houses and could never have predicted doing this stuff today if you'd like to download a free PDF highlight reel with all of Brian's top tips from this conversation, you can do so at sidehustlenation.com slash Brian. Again, that's Brian with a Y or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.